four years ago, I was diagnosed with colon cancer, and then four years ago, I was diagnosed with multiple myeloma, which they're not even related, so it's two forms of cancer. And so uh, March of last year, uh, I was actually in a place where uh, my, my multiple myeloma had spiked, and, uh, and the, the colon cancer, they had, they had a, some in my, in my liver, and what happened is, at that moment, they had to change some medication, and, and so in May of last year, uh, I was about to go to Maine. We go to Maine about every other year. We have a, one of my mentors is a businessman that's retired. He lives on an island, kind of nice, isn't it? But anyway, and... Uh, we should go up there, and right before we're going to go up there, I became really anemic. And for the first time in eight and a half years, I needed a blood transfusion. And so we were kind of like, should we go? And I'm like, heck yeah, you know. Pastor Jacob had come to meet me at the hospital. I didn't know where I was. Zach had brought me, and, and he was really worried about me. And, and uh, so he said, man, you know, and so when I was up in Maine, I had got that. And so when you have multiple myeloma, it's like termites in your, in your bones, Okay, it's 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 a kind of a blood disease, uh, blood cancer, and so what happened? I was just going to go barbecue some fish. Come on, that's what we like to do around here, huh? Come on, Sha. And so I was going to barbecue some fish. My friend from that has a house in Maine. He's from originally from Philadelphia, and he lives in Atlanta, so he didn't know how to cook. And, and so I always am designated the chef when I go there for bar, uh, barbecues or bowling crawfish. I mean, not crawfish. Lobsters, they're, they're like crawfish on steroids anyway. And so I was going to do that, and I was simply had one step. I had the step, and he, had a, he has a really nice deck, all same color, and I did not see the step. And when I stepped, uh, I was holding a platter of fish. It broke my back because I just missed. I didn't fall down. I didn't do anything. So I broke uh, my T12, and so the last four days I was just like, you know, in pain. Not able to enjoy my vacation. And I got back. This is great. I got back and I had to do radiation on my lung because they had seen some spots in my right lung. So I did 15 rounds of radiation in June and July with a broken back. Okay, that was fun getting on and off that little you know, machine. You know, people going, no, 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 I'll get myself. You know what I mean? They're trying to help you and they love you and everything else. And so... All of that happened, and then October, I uh, was admitted to the hospital. I had pneumonia, and for I was in the hospital for one hospital for 20 days. I was in ICU for seven days. We can put the, that. I'll just show you, kind of, so you kind of see. No one's ever. That's me in ICU. You can flip it around. That's my wife actually praying with my spiritual grandfather. Uh, and he's, he's praying for me, and she's just laying hands and praying for me. I think they got one more, and there she is. They're just praying for me because uh, they had given me every antibiotic that is known to man, okay? The disease control doctor, specialist, there's only two around this air, whole area, he came to me. He's actually from Nigeria, and him and I became friends because I have a friend that started a Bible college in, in Wari, Nigeria, where he's from, and a church, so he, he really, we, we got along real good. And so, and when I came out of ICU and I was starting to come back, he goes, oh, Pastor Baba. He said, you have the greatest network I've ever seen. 
Your wife, she comes every day. Your pastor, he comes every day. Your friends and pastors and people from your church, they come and they pray for you every day. You have the greatest network I've ever seen. He said, but really, you should be dead. (laughs) But it's what he said. But God must have something for you. I'm not done. So I get out of the hospital 20 days. They have to send me to a rehabilitation hospital because I had to learn to walk again. Because when you're in ICU, your muscles and all that. And so, and so long story short, I was there. The last day I was there, they, they were going to let me out the next day or something. They came to me, Mr. McCann, how are you doing? I said, psychologically, I'm doing terrible. Because if I feel like I haven't been mad at anybody, I haven't said anything. But listen, if I stay here another day, I might do something, say something, and be something that I shouldn't be. So I want out. They said, we're going to let you out. They let me out. And I had to take a brain test. My wife was wondering if my brain still worked. Because I had a lot of hallucinations and things like that when you're medicated and just just stuff. Okay? And uh, Pastor Jim had come and... Pastor Jacob, they made a special trip just to come pray for me. He prophesied over me. And uh, I started walking again and started getting around. And it was hard to walk. I remember when I first started, I couldn't walk a block. Now I'm walking anywhere from 35 minutes to an hour every day. And, and then I'm not done. And so what happened is with my multiple myeloma, they have a certain... Uh, the best way to describe, there's a certain level they look at. And if, you're, if your multiple myeloma is above, you know, a certain number, it means it's very active in your body. So mine was 100 and spiking, which is high. It kept spiking. But what happened, and when I went to the doctor in January with no medication, with no chemo, with nothing, what happened is they said, you went from 100 to below 1. They couldn't explain it. I go, Jesus. Just Jesus. And, you know, you go, well, you must be a man of great faith. No, I'm just a guy that says, I trust you, God. No matter what happens. That's been my line. Lord, I trust you. I believe in life and not death. And then in February, I had, I'm not going to show you my scar, but I'm cut from here all the way to here. I had a liver resection. It's my third one. And they took out a tumor the size of a grapefruit, small grapefruit, they said. And so, and I finished 36 rounds of chemo just about a month and a half ago. So you're going, dear God, we need to pray for this man. You know, some of you have been praying, don't stop, I'm living in them. And uh, so that's where I'm at today. They did a CT scan. Uh, All those areas are, are clear. My multiple myeloma is in remission. And right now I have a spot in my, I mean, I have a spot in my, my lung that it's about two inches. And it's, they did a biopsy about three weeks ago. And it's uh, the colon cancer that's in my lung. But I go tomorrow and I start eight rounds, six to eight rounds of chemotherapy for that. So just to let you know, I've done 15 rounds of radiation. I've done, I've done 48 rounds, soon to be 56 rounds of chemotherapy. I've had three liver resections. I, long story short, my wife told me, you know, have you ever thought of it, Bubba? She said, they've come to you 11 times and told you you have cancer somewhere. I said, I wasn't counting, but I'm glad someone was. And, you know, 
you know, why do you say all that? Because is this, is it, I just know this, everything from the time I was saved, 39 years ago this past May, I gave my life to Jesus. And I've never been afraid or never been ashamed to talk about his name and what he's done in my life. And, and so the, the title, of my, if you're looking for a title for this message, I just, I wrote this message about two months ago, just knowing that one day that I would have the opportunity to share it with somebody. And it's just called Prisoners of Hope. And I believe that many of us sometimes, we, sometimes when God begins to captivate our minds and our heart, whatever we face, whatever we go through, all of a sudden we become a prisoner of hope because we have nowhere else to go. That doesn't mean God changed you to something. That means that you look to him no matter when everything else is not going well. You know, I found a quote. It says this, life is harsh. Pain is painful. Hurting hurts. Trials are trying, but they don't last forever. Amen? You know, and so Zechariah says it like this. And this is, if, you, if you're looking for a scripture, and I'm old school. I like to read a Bible. Is that all right? That has pages. Uh, you know, Facebook is okay, but I like to keep my face in the book. But anyway, it's just a joke. But it says, it says this, return to your stronghold, O prisoners of hope. Today I declare that I will restore to you double. And so what happens is, is that I believe that, you know, that, that G, how many believe that Jesus is our stronghold? The enemy comes and tries to put strongholds in our life, but he is the ultimate one that can, we can have a stronghold gripped by his hand. How many of you know that you're in the hand of God? And then and what happens is, instead of living in despair yeah, the rest of your life, you start, you're living, but you're not living. You ever feel that way? You know what I'm talking about? You're living, but you're not living. But it, wouldn't it be great? It, it would be so much easier if you'd have to risk to go say, you know what, Pastor Bubba, you don't know what I've gone through. You don't know what I've faced. It's hard to risk again. It's hard to trust again. It's hard to hope again. It's hard, but Pastor Obi, you don't know what I've gone through. You don't know who, who's in my family. You don't know who I'm married to. You don't know my children that, are, that have rebelled. You don't know any of that. No, I don't. But God's well aware of where you're at. I had a dream two nights ago. I mean, it's just a dream. And, and, and all of a sudden, I, was, I felt like in this dream, that there was this guy that had a pistol, and he was coming to rob me. And he pointed his pistols with another guy, and all of a sudden, they pointed at me, and in my dream, I grabbed the guy's hand with the pistol. And the guy kept going, say, kept saying this, he's stronger than I thought he was. He's stronger than I thought he was. And then I grabbed the pistol, and I pointed it at them. Before I shot them, I didn't wake up. I woke up, but no, I didn't wake And I remember, and I felt like the Lord said, Baba. The enemy's come to try to rob you again. But you're stronger than you think you are. And it's not my strength. It's I'm leaning on his strength. The Bible says in my weakness that he can be made strong. Are you hearing me? And see, what happens is we can believe that Jesus has the power to recre recreate, redeem our lives. To help us in whatever, no matter how much the enemy's destroyed things in our lives. How many of you know he is the destroyer? Hope is an unshakable confidence in God. That's all it is. You see, trusting that he'll take us by his hand and lift us up. That in our lives, he can make us whole, even in the midst of ruin. Even in the midst of trial. Even in the midst... How many of you have just gone through tough times in your life? Just, you know, just tough times. You know, 
I've made it my mission. When I've gone to chemo, all the nurses know me, all the patients know me, and when you're laying down or sitting down, there's different people in different levels of what they're dealing with in their lives. And they're around, and there's many times the Lord's spoken to me, you're my light today. Shine brightly. And so, man, I, I mean, if anybody knows me, I could talk to anybody. My dad used to tell me, son, you could talk. You know what? You could sell a stripe to a skunk that didn't need it. <laughs> you know? And it's just the way God made me. I talk to anybody. I probably bother some people, too, sometimes when I talk. But what happens is there's been many times I've prayed with people. I've talked to people. You know, I've prayed for people. I don't, and it doesn't matter. I'm out loud. I'm not going, ah, Jesus. I'm just like, Lord, just like in that tone. I've had people in different conditions of their cancer and just pray for them. And there's someone next to me saying, that was a beautiful prayer. You want me to pray for you too? I've had nuns come and there's a little Vietnamese nun. She always comes and she goes, oh, would you like a Eucharist? Are you Catholic? They won't give you a Eucharist if you're not Catholic. I don't even say no or yes. I go, can I have your hand? Because I'm not there to argue with anybody. And I just have her hand and I'll just start praying, Father, thank you for this precious lady that's given out for you today. I pray you would just bless her. And every time she goes, I remember you. I know who you are. That even in our sorrows, even in our sorrows, when we find out bad news, that can I just say something? It can comfort you. The Bible, he's the God of all comfort. He knows everything. Hope is an unshakable confidence in God. You see, it doesn't deny the reality of pain. How I many know we all face pain sometimes? You know, but it does give us life beyond our pain. And see, there's, there was a false uh, theology years ago in the Christian world that if you had pain or if you had things that you didn't have enough faith or, or, or you know, if you go through trials, there's even that, there's a, there's a philosophy right now, a theology right now that says that. You know, they, they were going around one time, if women have birth pains, it's sin. I'm like, Lord, have you ever been with a woman? When she's about that, how do you get that big head out of a woman? That's painful, just thinking about it. And I'll leave it at that. You see, being a prisoner of hope is God, it, it, it makes God, you know what? And God is, it's just, it's just different. God prisoners of hope aren't focused on a, on a, um, an institute, you know, it's, they're not focused on p- being punished, but rather invited. God invites us. He goes, I have a fortress of safety. You know, it's kind of like having a castle built on sand. But you know what? That, 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 a castle that, that stands firm, even though everything around it washes away. But when you build on the rock, it stands firm. Only God can catch and carry us into a new life that we never imagined. You see, the first point I want to give you this morning is this. Is this number one is God, it give, God uh, give hope a voice. You got to give hope a voice. You see, David, who, who did the impossible when he killed the giant. Come on. You know the story. Do you remember the story? Goliath showed up to fight and he finds out the facts. Of the, circum- of the circumstances. 
And so what happens if you would, it's, it's probably in your notes, but I'll just read it. And in 1 Samuel 17, verse 42, 44, it says, sneering in contempt at this ruddy-faced boy. He goes, am I a dog, he roared at David, that you come to me with a stick? And, and he cursed David by the names of his gods. You know, your mama, she's a Hittite. Your daddy's a, you know, Jebusite. I mean, whatever. And he says, come over here. And I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals, Goliath yelled. But David showed up with the truth. Okay, look what David said in verse 4. David replied to the Philistine. Philistine means sameness. That's what it means, sameness, staying the same. You know, and I've learned this, there's a lot of Christians that get saved and they just stay the same. And when you stay the same, you become tamed. And if you become tamed, you become lame. So that all rhymes, and you can figure it out later. So God doesn't want you to stay the same. He doesn't want you to be tamed. He didn't want you to be lame. He wants to build something in every one of us. Amen? And what happens is, he says it's this. He says, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of, the, of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. Today the Lord will conquer you. Who does he say will conquer him? The Lord. He said, the Lord will, and I will kill you and cut off your head. And then I will give the, the, the dead bodies of your men to the birds and the wild animals. You, you know, he's saying, he's saying, your mama. And he says, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. Here's the thing. The facts change. But the truth never does. I've learned this in life. I don't care what a doctor tells you or what the facts are. I don't care if the bank tells you, well, if you don't have this by so-and-so, and, you know, by so-and-so, we're going to take your house, we're going to take your car. That is a fact that they can do that. Are you hearing me? Those are the facts. But the truth alone has the power to help us move, even in our hopeless situations. What do you mean, Pastor Bubba? To hope what we will be or what will happen. we got to hope, God, you're going to show up. The bank said so-and-so, but God, you're bigger than the bank. You own the cattle on a thousand hills. The doctor said, you know, I'm not going to make it. I have so many years. I had one guy, I know, that gave him six months. He lived 15 years. We may never be able to completely silence hopelessness in our thoughts but we can quiet them with the truth. Here's what I want to tell you. I don't care what the facts are. The truth is, God can override every fact. He just can. The scripture says this. This is what the scripture said. In Corinthians, we use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning, to destroy false arguments. How many of you ever argue with yourself? How many of you ever fuss at yourself? Okay, I can't believe you did that. Why do you do that? And he says this, we destroy every proud obstacle. How many of you ever walk with pride once in a while? Every proud obstacle, that means something in the way that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious, th- their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. I know that taking captive every thought often requires a ruthless fight. It requires, you know, sometimes a minute-by-minute battle. How many of you have ever gone to bed and your mind's just racing? Come on. I'm in the right church. 
And it's like that battle. The Bible says, you know, take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Not be conformed to the images of what Romans said, but be transformed by the renewing of what? Your mind. Some of you need to just have some self-discipline. What do you discipline yourself with? Are you in the Word of God? When I pick up the Word and I read it, this is just me. It's not, I'm not trying to be religious or proud here. I read five chapters a day, actually six. I read a proverb a day. Why do you do that? Because I need self-discipline. I need, it's not for anybody else, not for you, it's for me. And I don't read the Scripture for a message. Are you hearing me? Because sometimes, you know, the temptation when I first started churches is, I've got to get over, go over the message. The message is not what's important. It's my relationship with Jesus, my relationship with God. Because if I have a relationship with him, he can talk to me. And here's what I think about sometimes. Forget the message. God has a message. He just wants to talk to us. Does that make sense? And if you need self-discipline, and when I finish reading my Bible, you know what I do? I kiss it. I just kiss it. And go, Lord, thank you. Thank you. And you know, sometimes you read it, it just feels like it just feels like he's silent. Especially when you read through numbers. How do we how do we preach that one, Lord? You see, when you give hope a voice, we discipline our minds to think what God thinks and what God says and nothing else. You see, you have everything you need to overcome giants of disease, finances. You know, well, Pastor Bubba, no one in my my family has ever had victory in this area in our family. This seems like it's a generational curse, and we all go through it. I just don't understand. Well, God maybe allowed you to be born for you to be the one that breaks that chain. That you overcome that in your family. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so what happens is, you know, it's a, you, you were born to do this. See, Philippians says this. I was reading this yesterday, and I thought about it. It says, finally. It means after everything. He's saying this. Paul's going, after everything. Now, finally means after I've said everything I've had to say, this is what i got to say, and then I'm done. And he says this. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. You know, when I was in ICU, there was a doctor, his name was Dr. Cormier, and he's the um, pulmonologist, and he would go to my wife every day when I was in ICU, and he'd say, well, the numbers are the same. He's not better and he's not worse. And about the fifth day, my wife had enough of it. She said, Dr. Cormier, thanks for the numbers and the facts, but I don't want you to look at those things. I want you to do one thing. I'm asking you, will you pray for him? Because he goes to church. And he said, okay. And when I came out of it, he came in his street clothes, not his doctor, little white thing. And, all. and he, he came in, he said, this is what he told me, I had to just come see to believe. I just had to come see to believe it. Faith is going, I don't care what you think. I don't care what the facts are. 
The truth is, if you begin to pray, you can move a mountain. If you begin to pray, you can overcome obstacles. And see, the second thing is, is that what I want you to see, hope is an act of defiance. What do you mean, Pastor Bubba? I don't know where your hope is struggling. Maybe you're be, you, 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 you've been just struggling. You have a loved one that needs to be saved. You have your home. Your, your, there's people, there, there's a child that you're believing that they need to come home. There may be, you know, uh, you might need your marriage restored. There's some things, there's some junk in the truck in your marriage, and you're trying to deal with it. You know what I mean? The, you know, your body needs to be healed, or you, your finances, you need revival in your checkbook. You need your own home. You've just been praying. Whatever it is, it's time to risk hoping again. What do you mean, Pastor Bob? Whatever dream you had that died, whatever promise you gave up, the truth of God's word says we serve a God with resurrection power who specializes in raising the dead. That means things we buried. That means things we've forgotten, things we've given up on, things that, you know, I don't want to go there. It stinks now. It's been so dead so long. Our God is a God of transformational. He's a transformational God. What does that mean? He transforms us from the inside out and makes all things new in our lives. Corinthians says it like this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new what? Creation. He said the old passed away. Behold, the new has come for for our sake, he has made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. God is a God of redemption. God's a God of restoration. God is a God of new beginnings. Hello? If you don't like where you're at right now, don't settle and resign yourself from it. What do you mean? Philippians says it like this. And I am certain that God, listen to this, who began a good work in us, is able to complete that, to continue that work until it's finished on the day that, Jesus, that, that, that when Jesus returns. In other words, God's saying, hey, I started this work. You were letting me do what you wanted me to do in your life, and somewhere along the way, you got wounded or somebody said something or you went through a tr- tough time, and God, the Holy Spirit this morning is right talking to you like right now. And he's going... Stop it. Yeah, have you ever had someone just going crazy? Sometimes the best thing you can do is just go, stop it. What do you mean? Don't you hear what you're saying? How can you have faith when you're going, there are moments you can feel bad about what you're going through. That's okay. But there are moments that you have to just go, enough is enough. See, I believe this. We become prisoners of hope when we cling to hope. We begin to speak the language of hope. We, we don't put off hope. Who are you willing to let God surprise us? with a new future. See, when you become prisoners of hope, you commit daring acts. What happens is you, we start to dare our hopes up again. You know, I was sitting in a chemo. The first time I had chemo, and the Lord had spoke to me that we were going to plant 10 churches and that 
God was going to do some things, and I was getting chemo for my second one or third one, one of those. I have chemo brain, so I don't remember everything. But I also have chemo anointing now. It radiates. Anyway, just, <laughs> you'll get it later, but anyway. And uh, what happened is, I was just like feeling sorry for myself for a little bit. And I was just going, but God, you told me that you were going to do this, and you told me to, that you were going to do this, and all of a sudden I get a phone call. And a guy, we were building a new sanctuary in Jennings. And he goes, hey, I was thinking about you. I said, I'm thinking, thank God someone's thinking about me. He has no idea I'm in the chemo chair. Just what I said. And at that very moment, he said, he said, Bubba, I want to help the church, and I want to match dollar for dollar everything y'all give in the next six weeks. And I go, I need seven. It sounded more spiritual. And he gave me seven. But I needed to, long story short, we raised $85,000, and he matched it. And we were able to build a sanctuary cash-free. Or debt-free, cash-free. Free, cash don't come for free. <laughs> debt, debt isn't free either. But don't freely. And see, what happens is, what happens when you become a prisoner of hope, this, you'll, you'll, you'll look, you, will it look like you probably imagined? Maybe not. Will you go through more disappointments? Most likely. Will, you, will our future dreams die as well before as, as others have? Quite possibly. Can I just be really honest with you? Why? Because every promise is tested. And every dream is challenged. You just go look at the book. You go look at Joseph's life. Joseph is one of my favorite stories. And although he's a type of Jesus in the Old Testament. Thrown in the pit. Falsely accused, goes to jail, gives a, a dream, a interpretation of a dream. The guy forgets, you know, and then the, the king has a dream and he tells Joseph, and I love what it says. And they went and they called Joseph up and they, they, they bathed him and it said and he came into the presence of the king with a new face. And the king says, I heard that you can give interpretations. And, he's, and I love what Joseph said. He goes, you imagine all the pride that had been knocked out of him? He goes, first thing he said, I can't. I can't. But my God can. How many of you know sometimes you go, you can't. But my God, your God can. Somebody ought to get excited. God can. You see, when, when we become prisoners of hope, we declare in defiance that, that no need... There's no need that God can't meet. There's no mountain God can't move. There's no prayer that God can't answer. Are you hearing me? There's no sickness that he cannot heal. There's no, there's no heart that can't be mended that God can mend. There's no door that God can just, you know, that, that's shut. And you go, God's going to open that door. How? I don't know, but he'll go. He can do it. But you don't know who I'm married to. God can take a cool yarn like your mate and make them something. <laughs> when we become prisoners of hope, we aren't dismayed when dreams take longer than we thought they would take. Or we lost more than we thought we should have lost. 
it's harder to realize than we think we should. See, when we become prisoner of hope, we shift our perspective. We look at what we have left, not we, what we, what, what's left, not what we've lost. What does that mean? You believe the best, and you don't, you don't assume the worst anymore. Keep moving forward, and you don't shrink back. You know what God spoke to me and taught me during these times? You know what faith really is? It's putting one foot in front of the other. And you keep getting back up, and you keep walking. Just keep walking. My wife, I, I was on a walk last night, and my wife goes, and I was kind of jogging, because I miss jogging. I'm a, I, I like to run. I've lost two inches in height since I've gone through all this stuff. So, you know, hey, I'm low. I'm with you. I'm, you know, he's with me. Anyway. <laughs> and so I was run, I was going to you trying to run again? I go, no, I'm just practicing. When I see Jesus, I'm going to run to him. And, you know, her thoughts, you think you're going to die soon? No, no, I'm not dying anytime that I know of. You know, I used to think, what's the threat? Heaven? Wow. Let's refuse to throw away our confidence and trust in God, daring to believe his reward of our faith. Sometimes we go, the Bible says, if you have faith like a mustard seed, itty bitty little seed. That's all God's looking for. Just something you can go, okay, I can catch that. I can work with that. Just give me a little bit of it. Come on. And the more resistance you have, the stronger you get. That's what weightlifters do. They want resistance. Why? Because it tears down the muscle and it begins to build it up again. And that's the way it is in our walk. Sometimes when we face adversity, it's like, it's, it's resistance. See, listen, if you wanted not to have trouble in your life, God should have taken you when you you go, Jesus, I give you my heart and my life, and boof, you're going to heaven. That'd be great. But see, you were never tested. The Bible says in Revelations, they overcame by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they didn't count their life dear unto themselves. Someone said to me a while back, he said, Pastor Bubba, God's just working on your testimony. And I looked at them and I said, well, I wish he'd hurry up and get rid of the tests so I could do the uh, ammoni. Because <laughs> testimony is just, you know what testimony is? just telling your story. That's what it means. The third and final thing, I think I've gone too long. I don't want to bore you. But God restores in an unexpected ways. When we risk becoming prisoners of hope, God can and will change what needs to be changed. We can get well. We can get out of debt. We can forgive. Come on. We can forgive. No, no. We can forgive. God can't forgive you if you can't forgive those people that have hurt you. But Pastor Bubba, you don't know. I come from a broken home. My mom was unfaithful to my dad. I saw a lot of things growing up. I experienced My mom was 16 when she got pregnant from me. You know, I don't know if abortion, my grandmother would have killed my mom if she would have tried to abort me. I just know. 
But my mom had to go through two years of high school after she had me. you imagine that? While my dad was in Lafayette on a football scholarship. We can be healed. We can overcome grief and loss. Even the loss of a child. Can I tell you, losing a child at any stage of life is unimaginable. It's utterly devastating. No child can ever be replaced, ever. You know, God can take us to a place where we no longer ache with our loss in that moment that we have every day. I remember my mom looked at me, and my, mom, my mom's a sweet lady, but I remember one day she just said, you know, I never thought one of my children would die before me. She was talking to me. And I thought, in my mind, I go, the heck with that. I'm going to do your funeral. <laughs> and the other day, she looked at me. She goes, you know, I wanted to talk to you one day. I want you to do my funeral. I said, I knew I was going to do it. My daughter, you know, she says, we were teasing, and she, I had to tell her about the spot on my lung and everything, and everything she saw me. She's gone through. One time she told me, she said, Dad, you've had cancer all my life. I'm not worried about you. That, then she's telling me, I was telling her, she goes, Dad, I'm not worried about you. You promised me you would walk me down the aisle when I get married. And I said, well, when you're 45, I'll walk you down the aisle. You know, I laugh. She goes, oh, stop it. You see, how he can move us from a place of pain into a wide open space, a place of purpose, a place of meaning, a place of hope. Say it with me. Say hope. Hope. I have a friend of mine in Cincinnati. I'll see him next month, and we'll go speak at a conference. And... He's in Cincinnati, and he has a ministry called Hope Over Heroin. They have a, a heroin epidemic in that area. And they're getting all these guys, they're having these Hope, hope Over Heroin concerts, and people are coming strung out, and they're praying for them, and they, they get taught, God touches them, and they lose their high. And if they want to be in a home, they have a home. They actually bought from the Catholic Church an old... And, one of the houses, it's this complex that I've been in, and that's where all the guys go and have another place for the girls, and they bought it. And so you see all these guys, you know, that had that lifestyle, and they're preaching, man. They're on fire for Jesus. And you just see. It's hope. You see, God is never finished with us. And whether you've gone through a divorce, you suffered unimaginable heart, uh, hurts, losses, miscarriages, whatever it is, in any area of our lives, he never sets us aside. And he'll keep moving forward. You need to just keep moving forward with him. Not just with him, but to him. What do you mean by that? You know, as I came here this morning, I pray in tongues about every day. I believe, you know, it's, it's my prayer language. Do I know what I'm saying? No. But sometimes I have a feeling what I'm saying. When I run out of words, I'll just... My kids, when I bring them to school sometimes, I'm just like, and my, my kids are going, there he goes again. I don't care. It's my language. It's my prayer. When words have run out, I want my spirit man to be strong. You see, if we had a spiritual indicator, a little box where the exit said, and it said, one to ten, how strong is your spirit? 
Some of you would look like an Ethiopian poster child in your spirit, holding a little rice bowl. Feed me. Feed me. And that's why it's so important. Listen to me. If I can say anything, everything that I've walked through, God's been there. My son, Luke, my baby boy, asked me, he said, Dad, when you were out for seven days, I just got to ask you, did you see Jesus? No, I didn't see Jesus. I'm sorry to disappoint you, but I didn't see him. I don't remember Jack. I had a few wild dreams. I remember one of the funny stories, Zach and my wife were sitting there, and I'm like telling people, I want out. I want out. So they sent a psychologist to see if they'd let me out. And so I'm sitting, and I can't even sit straight. I'm like, because I have no control, I'm just sitting like this. And like, well, I'll show you. Like this. And the psychologist goes, all right, Mr. McCann. And he goes, uh, what seven Plus two. And his eye goes, I go, I go, seven, what do you think? Let me out of here. <laughs> and they go, brother got problems. <laughs> and when they were going to give me a CT scan, because I'd fallen out of my bed, because they didn't strap me to it. That's a whole other story. <laughs> I thought my wife and Zach had a conspiracy. That's, I mean, when I was just coming, that they wanted to see it that I'm crazy and they were going to commit me. So I had all these thoughts. And even in the midst of those thoughts, when they were wacky, I'd go, Jesus, I need your help. Everybody's against me. They're going to put me in a crazy house. <laughs> and I remember calling Pastor Jacob one time. I go, man, Tracy's against me. I think she's, she's had it, she has it out for me. He goes, man of God, Tracy's been there every day. Are you crazy? And he just began to speak sense into me. Are you hearing me? Have you ever been there where people need to just speak sense in? Okay, I was on fentanyl and all kinds of drugs. They pay for good drugs like that. I was getting it for free. But in the midst of that, I can look back. Because you know what the scripture says, Zechariah? Return to your stronghold. Oh, prisoners of hope, today I will declare that I restore to you double. And I looked at my wife last night, and I read that scripture. I said, you know, since I've gotten out of the hospital, and since all the things have happened, you know what, Tracy? God's blessed us double. What do you mean? I said, man, we just flew up to Oregon, and someone took care of our tickets, and we were in first class. Now, someone from South Louisiana, we don't know how to act in first class on a plane. My wife goes, we're going to starve. We're going to eat anything. Then they start bringing food. Then they bring ice cream. Of course, we took it. And before we got off the plane, my wife goes, oh, I'm so stuffed. We were all worried about, we're going to starve. I can't tell you the people that have blessed us. I just can't tell you. My insurance man had lightning hit two of my trees lately. I got to take them down. And he says, it's limited. And he goes, but I'm going to write the other one out of my personal check for you. Come on. I'm, in two weeks, we're going to my, one of my dream, dreams, the Key West. 
Someone gave us a house to stay in, flying us there. We're going to go fishing in a boat. I don't even have to pay for it. You go, Pastor Bub. Yeah, yeah, I say, you bring me? No. Well, you might have to go through what I went through the last eight years. You may get it. <laughs> yeah, sure. I remember one time I heard some uh, Pastor Jim prophesying over some. He said, man, I like that prophecy. He goes, oh, no, you wouldn't. Not what he's got to go through to get it. I go, I'll shut up. <laughs> Why do you say all that? God is never finished with us, guys. It just isn't. Just because I started some churches, and just because, you know, I just say this. No matter what you go through, he's there with you. In any area, he never sets aside. God fulfills what he puts in our heart in unexpected ways. Are you hearing me? There are people when I go, when I go to the hospital sometimes, and there are nurses there. And she, I have one, her name's Belinda. One day I'm just walking down the hall, and she goes, oh, and she comes and hugs me. I'm like, and she goes, I just needed that today. You just radiate love. I said, I wish my wife feel that I radiate love like that. How many times I've just had conversations with people and they're just going through something. A lady the other day, she goes, yeah, I've been fighting this thing for two years. And she's griping and complaining. I said, well, I've been fighting cancer for eight and a half years. And she goes, I'm going to shut up right now. There are people that I've prayed for have given up. Because can I tell you something? Religion can't get you where you need to go. Only Jesus. It's only Jesus. You see, God wants to fulfill the dreams He whispered to us years ago. No matter how long ago it was. God spoke those dreams to me about 10 churches. Think about this. 30 years ago. And we... I, started 19 years ago this year next year will be 20 years that we started the churches this church was started 2007 at the end of September 2007 Crowley was started September 2014 every seven years I don't know what so we're coming close what do you have to say about all that Pastor Bella man let me just say you need God restores Everything the enemy tries to rob you of in unexpected ways. And then you need to be defiant. Hope is an act of defiance. You need to be defiant. And you need to give hope a voice. That means you don't just think about it, you say it. You speak it. You share it. When people walk through things, you go, hey, God got me through this. And he said he's no respecter of persons. And he can get you through this.